0: Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast,
1: where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature.
0: Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York,
1: we are your hosts, A.C. Stobel
0: and Isaac Hill. Episode 25, Urban Agriculture and Community Organizing with Requebe Bay. In this episode, we speak with Quiba about the wonders of bees working with the heavy metal contaminated soil of the city, the importance of food access in the city, and how she and the Community Food Co-op of Homewood are helping to remediate that in Pittsburgh, connecting children with growing food, growing minds and growing leaders, and working with people on collective projects and overcoming differences to persevere. As she says... I'm stubborn about my goals, but flexible about my methods. The recording quality is a little bad, and I apologize, but it's an excellent conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Also, if you're in Pittsburgh, uh, she's looking for some volunteers, so hit her up. And we still have a few calendula, tulsi, anise hyssop, and magenta lambsquarters seeds, if you want some. Hit us up at plantcunning at gmail.com. Oh, and also, We have two new patrons. Thank you, Carol Holland and John Spain. And the rest of you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash plant cunning. Thank you. Well, today we have on the show Raquib Bay. She's a farmer, uh, community organizer, activist in Pittsburgh. Um, So how how are you doing today, Raquib?
2: Green greetings, everyone. Thank you all for having me.
0: Of course, we're we're blessed to have you.
2: Yeah, super excited.
1: <laughs>
0: How's Pittsburgh these days? Is it uh spring yet?
2: You know Pittsburgh, <laughs> bipolar. So it's yeah. raining right now, right? Yeah, and I heard the weatherman, it's been in the 50s for about a week. It was in the 60s two weeks ago, and then I heard a, a weather reporter mention snow. So it's just March 18th. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, we don't know. It can snow in April here, right? So yeah we, yeah,
0: we still have snow on the ground here, and the ground is still frozen. So
2: <laughs> wow, yeah. I was thinking about planting some collard greens in the front. I don't know. I'm gonna wait for a couple of days to see mm-hmm. if it's snow. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, as a there's stuff you can plant here when yeah. it snows. But I really don't want to be running around with blankets to cover everything up in plastic. Yeah, right. so I'm gonna wait it out for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but you're getting ready for the the season.
2: We are getting ready for this season. Um, we have our first official workday where we're inviting volunteers uh, Saturday, April 10th from okay. 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Um, at the uh, Homewood Historical Farm, which is maintained by Black Urban Gardeners here in Pittsburgh. But yeah, we're getting ready. We have a hoop house, so we put this stuff in the hoop house beforehand but we're expanding our bee farm or bee acre We have four hives and we're going to get 10 more. Oh, wow. wow. That's exciting. That's so cool. So yeah. That's yeah, we for, are.
1: Um, sorry, that's for the black urban gardeners and farmers of Pittsburgh you're talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah, and we're teaching. Um, we created our lead beekeeper, his name is uh, Maurice Brother Reefs. So we decided this season since we're expanding our bee, hive, bee hive, We were, last October, going to harvest the moon we harvest i think it was um going to full moon over 100 pounds of honey
3: wow cool
2: and it sold out at the market in three hours so we decided to expand our bee farm is right where our orchard is yeah so it works perfectly um we have bleachers filled with herbs that bees like since the honey did so well we decided to expand but we kept it under 15 because if it's 15 or more you have to report it to state and we don't oh. feel like doing that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to do that yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> cool yeah we have a we have a tree here that's hollowed out with a with a beehive in it uh
1: what yeah that's they're amazing. just living
0: in it it's really cool it, it's kind of like a well a
1: womb like it looks yeah it looks like a
2: womb in the tree really like i'd be love tree. to see the picture you have to send me a picture okay. that's awesome yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah but bees can be hard I, I know um i know you know my grandfather did bees and
2: oh really uh, that's nice
0: yeah but they, they would die out in the winter often so are yeah. they doing all right for you in pittsburgh
2: there's a few but um i used to be allergic I'm yeah. not allergic now. Oh, nice, cool. I've been stung so much, but um, <laughs> not really a lot of times. So I think just like last season, three times, then two seasons ago, maybe four or five. But anyway, um, a few live, but we're getting a whole bunch. We normally we get them in Burgess Town, which is just like you know 45 minutes
3: away yeah.
2: from Pittsburgh, and normally they come around. Uh, April, but they're not coming till mid-May because of uh the virus. Yeah. So that's cool. It just gives us more time to do what we have to do. Yeah. However, I experienced for the first time uh, a, like a swarm last season. Oh yeah, yeah. And um I'm sitting in our beekeeper's van on the phone. This is like on Word Day, right? Uh, we decided to hide out in his van for a little bit to mm-hmm. <laughs> decompress. And I'm noticing some yellow stuff coming from the um, air. Now, let me just tell you, I'm an Aquarius. So mm-hmm. that's my um, rising mm-hmm. sun sign. So I'm an air sign and an um, air element. So my head is always in the clouds, right? I'm <laughs> like, that's so pretty. Uh-huh. What is that? And then I heard the buzzing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. But they didn't bother no one.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah,
2: And that was like, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful sight to see. I didn't realize it until I heard, you know, the buzzing what it was. And then that was like June. Mm -hmm. But then we had a teaching event in July for our healing garden, which we can talk about. Um, And we was installing our healing garden. It's like a lot of people there. And it's over 100 degrees. It was awesome. We had someone teaching yoga, doing reggae, mindful meditation. The, the, The young woman that teaches yoga here, her name is Amy Jordan. I'm impressed because they were out there for like an hour and a half, over 100 <laughs> together, on right? Um, in our hill and garden. But then they swarmed again and stung our beekeeper. I have never in the years, two years we've been working with him, I have never seen him shook. He's like a real quiet lady by guy. But he was shook from that. And I think it was so many people was around that right. they didn't like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're learning every day.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the way to do it. So, uh, Quiva, do you think you could uh, give a little background to our listeners about, like, uh, what you do and and uh, how you got to be doing that?
2: Sure. So, um, I'm from Pittsburgh, um, originally from the east end of Pittsburgh, Homewood, but when I was 11, we moved to the Lower Hill District, which depends on who you ask. It's either the Lower Hill District, Uptown, or Soho,
3: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So,
2: basically, I was raised on that, one which is close to town it's yeah. uptown and I my parents had like a poster acre in our backyard my father had 12 fig trees number 12 is very important in our story mm. 12 fig trees cool. and a little um they my parents kept like you know, some green strawberries and onions onions and strawberries come up every year and occasionally I would help them um In two thousand and seven, a tornado hit down here, and a lot of people think tornadoes can't come to Pittsburgh because we're carved out in a mountain, right? we're literally mountain folks, um, part of the Appalachian. But it did. It hit in two thousand and twelve, and it used to be a barber shop here called. It's been here since the forties, Harry Orlando Barber Shop, and um, that was one of the buildings that got torn down, Mr. Orlando. Um, he's not with us, no longer his ancestors, but he would keep a small garden on the side. And I would help him out and give me produce. That's you no know, vegetables that were grown. I didn't even know the term work share back then, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Landslide Community Farm started, started here, I want to say around the same time. And this is where I know Axel Crumb because
3: mm-hmm. he was on
2: the board of directors as well. And oh, this was before I was on the board. Mm -hmm. In 2000, well, what Landslide did, I think around 2010, is as Mrs. Orlando, Mr. Harry's Widow, could they start a community garden there? And they were like, sure. And um, that was in 2010. In 2011, I asked one of the people at Landslide, hey, you mind if me and my friends teach our children how to grow food, can we have a um, bed? It was a, you know, bop. And um, she said, sure. And we started that April of 2011. It was awesome. It, once again, it was 12 friends of mine. Mm-hmm. One of us, in between us all, mm-hmm. we had 17 children. We had like one mm-hmm. boss. We to plants like we farm, some tours, beef um, chicken. And it worked out well. We gave it a name. We called it Black, excuse me, we called it Mama Africa Scouts. And basically the mission was to teach Black children how to farm yeah um gardening green sustainability but um community responsibility as well so that next season in 2012 other children in the neighborhood wanted to help out but it was a lot that we weren't used to being around a lot of children but we wanted their families to learn too so it worked out really well 2013 people without children came to us wanting to learn how to grow food so it was awesome but then and I was on the board for landslide. So I created a food force. I never even heard the word.
3: <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and so being an activist, like involved with housing and gentrification issues mm-hmm. in the area of some like weight work that I would do. My daughter Essence had started working for Great Pittsburgh around that time. Um, as an intern, but she actually got hired by them. She's one of the first African Americans that they hired. Or well, anyway, cool. I would get invited to meetings for like policy, and I was for Urban Ag in Pittsburgh, and I was the only Black person at the table. But this is happening. We were being left out of grants, even simple supply grants. Where white-led Urban Ag groups would get supply grants, and they already had a large budgets we was like pitching in you know, every month to get ready for the next season. Yeah, And they would get supply grants in a thousand and they would give us gift cards for seedlings for like 25
3: bucks.
2: Oh, wow. So I'm hearing this story all over again, right? Yeah. So
3: June
2: of 2015, we had our first meeting for the Black Urban Gardeners and former pitch birds. And we met at Sanco Village for the Arts. And once again, there was 12 of us who already were Black growers, and activists as well, but they have experienced unfair and unjust treatment as Black growers here in the city of Pittsburgh. So we mm-hmm. talked about that. Okay, what do we want to do? What neighborhood we wanted to work in? So we know that farming, the rural or urban is hard work. So we wanted to come together for sweat equity in our different neighborhoods to help, you know, our different projects to yeah. help each other out. But also we knew we had to fight um, Systematic racism that exists in urban areas and, and so we talked about you know what we would do towards that. Um, basically, we wanted the voice at the table, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: moving forward, we wanted to pick a neighborhood to work in. So we decided to pick Homewood, which is mostly a black community of six thousand residents. Who, in um, Homewood, there hasn't been a grocery store since 1995. Wow. Um, most people are familiar with the word food apartheid, but I'm very intentional. Um, excuse me. Let me go back. Most people are familiar with the term food desert, yeah. but I'm very intentional with my words. We use the word food apartheid because we'll call it what it is, yeah. a form of oppression where it looks like it's, um, you know, you have corner stores where the food is costly and processed and everyone doesn't have transportation shop outside of their neighborhood right for whatever reason to go grocery shopping and no one should mm-hmm. so um we say food apartheid because it's labeled by zip code normally a neighborhood where black and brown people live that don't have access to healthy food yeah. and produce hmm. so we met we, we 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 set out some goals and one of our goals was to um create a farm in Homewood do what we can to, um Crush Food, Apartheid, in Homewood, um, Farmer's Market, and a cooperative grocery store. So a year after we formed, we did start a farmer's market at Homewood Community Farmer's Market at the site of one of our partners, the House of Nana. Who's was actually, the owner is our farm manager for Pittsburgh now. And it went okay. We had it bad, we had four regional farmers. We also had makers from our organization. There were artisans and craftsmen, people to make jewelry, clothes, um, natural beauty health products. To be honest with you, it went okay. We found out through going a lot of door knocking, going to a lot of community meetings that people didn't know about our market. So we had to reorganize. Um, towards in 2017, we um, worked with a woman with the city of Pittsburgh whose name is Shelly Danko Day. Do you remember Shelly? I
0: don't No, not really, but
2: okay. So she hits up, she's the city of Pittsburgh um, open space specialist, and here they have a program called Adopt a Lot. Um, in 2014, Grow Pittsburgh did a survey, and it was 21,000 blighted lots in the city of Pittsburgh, and the majority of them were on the hill and Hillwood in the north side. Hmm. Um, that has changed. Mm-hmm. I think it's down to like 12,000 right now, which is progress um, close to 700 still in homewood. However, with this program it's great because you can literally adopt a lot from the city of Pittsburgh you need it for a farm garden flower garden. You can put a bench and some flowers there. I've seen people utilize this program for rain um, gardens well, which is needed for storm water management. Yeah, yeah, so that's what we did. And when we acquired this lot, and these lots, 31,000 square feet totally together, the brush was over six and seven feet tall. Not weeds. It took us all season to um, cut it down. It was a lot of work, but it was worth it. Um, 2017, we also went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Trained from a national black farmer, his name is uh, Mr. Will Allen.
0: Yeah, he, he's great.
2: Right, right. So we went to Growing Power and yeah. we did a weekend long training. of it's like eight of us. Nice. Because, right, we wanted to use his hoop house model. Milwaukee's temperature is even more bitter than the yeah. cold, it gets dirty below. Wow. And he grows food all year. Mm-hmm. So we learned how to use his model. And the hoop house deals with the compost. You can grow stuff in the winter even here in Pittsburgh, but it's mostly um, like you know, party stuff like greens and lettuce, which still is fun. So moving forward in 2018, beginning of the season, we built our hoop house, which is 30 by 48 feet. And it's a nice size. And we made it a two-day teaching event. A lot of people from community and outside community came in to help and it was great. And we've been utilizing it ever since then slowly, but surely we grew some greens in there this winter for the first time we this winter. And also um, we're getting electricity installed in there as well, because if it's like 90 degrees outside, right? It's like 110, 115. In the out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to
0: have some ventilation.
2: Right. So that's where we're going for the electricity and then saw some things up top coming along great um but we also have raised beds on the outside Mm -hmm. just had our soil tested again um it hasn't been tested in about three years because in Pittsburgh, a lot of these lots deal with um labs yeah yeah
0: a lot of contamination
2: so a lot of the lots that people use here in Pittsburgh old houses was on them so when they tear them down and we use them in the garden or farm there's a lot of lead in there from yeah. the old houses um
0: the paint them.
3: yeah
2: exactly so when we first had it tested it was like um anything over 400 you want to do a 400 millimeters you want, it, a lead, you want it to you one to a raised bed anything over 2000 you don't want to but we have done some things in a small area where I say it's just about a thousand square feet where to um, help heal the soil, we've done stuff like sunflowers, greens. But more importantly, it was important to, it was more importantly, it was paramount to um, use a mixture of cover crops.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, and where our bee farm is now, at one time when there was enough, it wasn't enough, just did. A mixture of cover crop seeds because that that seems to be the most effective for this lead in the soil and it was a mixture of white clover and rye okay we mm. did like like two years in a row and the result we just had it recently you know tested again mm-hmm. and um we're excited to see what the results results are because we would like to start planting in mm. yeah. ground and because of the um the virus, we did expand our farm some, but we want to expand it some more, so we're working on that to um, find ways to utilize the land that we do have um, to grow food, because a lot of our food goes to our farmer's market, which is low cost, and um, we're, like, we're a teaching farms too as well. Yeah. So moving forward, <clears throat> towards the end of 2017, there was a festival, that goes on in Homewood for, it's since the late 60s, it's called the Harambe. And they reached out to us towards the end of 2017 to um, partner with us to do the market. Um, So they would handle, the Harambe is a black arts festival and they would handle the retail side, art side of the market. And we would do the um, farmer's market part we didn't want to do it ourselves so in early of 2018 in Homewood, a lot of transformation was being done and to avoid gentrification a group was formed called the homewood collaborative and they reached out to certain individuals to be on the steering committee i was on there to make sure all the work the redevelopment was being done in homewood was fair just and equitable Because if it's the opposite, it's um, gentrification. in. so somehow I ended up, different task forces were set up around issues for hunger, like transportation, housing. And one was environment. It was way more than that. I just can't remember. And I ended up chairing the task force for environment. And our first meeting was like 30 folks there residents, um, community leaders, stakeholders, whatever. And we decided to break up this task force into different groups. Food access was one, stormwater management, air quality, blighted lots, um, and a couple more. And we met for several months, wrote out a report, but we decided to keep the food access working group, especially being in Homewood, it's a food apartheid area. And out of that group, we formed the Homewood Food Access Working Group, which it's led, chaired by Bucks, but also co-convened with three other gardens in Homewood, um, Sankofa Community Farm, Oasis Farm and Fishery, and the Junior Green Course Garden, these are gardens in Homewood. But we also invited um, urban ag groups and food justice groups outside of Homewood, like Grove Pittsburgh, yeah. that's homegrown, just hard and the Pittsburgh Food Trust to work together to make this farmer's market successfully. And that's more successful. And that's what we've been doing since 2008. And we wow. start again in June. So we got the farmer's market going, right? Working in concert with other organizations. So for years, you know, one of the goals was um, a grocery store, a grocery store, and we wanted this grocery store not to be corporate, right? community-driven yeah. yeah, and owned. Community-driven, mm-hmm. designed, and owned. So we picked the cooperative model where residents would own, be members and it would be member and worker owned. And we've been working on that for a while. Um, three years ago, someone told us about it's called Up and Coming Food Cooperative Conference. So it's a conference for people who are developing food co ops and me and my daughter Essence, who for bucks she's our farmhand but she's also a community outreach person. Three years ago, we went to our first one, I thought I knew all this stuff about cooperative, and my first class was cooperative 101. And I found out I knew hardly nothing.
3: Oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're
2: right, and it's like that. And then the, the way this conference is great. Because your, your workshops, it's like a three-day conference, and your workshops are in different stages of development. You're like concept, beginning, or requires plan or a building, and you're ready to open, whatever, right? And you know, we learned a lot and we went two years in a row. It's happening again, but virtually, of course. <clears throat> there we met members of well, I knew some already. The organization has started a couple years ago called the National Black Food and Justice Alliance. And they will be at this conference every year. And one of their missions is to help Black people open up food cooperatives in their community. At that first conference, excuse me, at that first conference that my daughter and I went to, what, three years ago almost? Yeah, it was exactly three years. Because it's always the first week of March. We learned that to start a food co-op, Food cooperative grocery store it takes three to five years in a white community but in a black and brown community it takes five to seven years right so we're in like going on six years coming this June we've been working on it and working on it <clears throat> and finally corporation reached out to us to help us and yesterday we met with their architects our architects we have a, a location secured um, to meet, we met with them for um, the cedar of draft of the blueprint and it's beautiful. And now our goal is to have it open this fall for the community.
0: Wow, that's so great. Congratulations.
2: Uh-huh. Congratulations. Thank you. Before uh, the pandemic, we were meeting with community members on a bi-monthly basis. Mm-hmm. We knew what we want, right? 60% produce, 40% um, staple, but it was more important what the community wants. And the meeting yeah, was yeah. successful, but when shutdown shutdown happened, we stopped, but we're going to continue them next week to be like, I don't like using the word, uh, focus group. so they're community conversations. Mm-hmm. We yeah. want them to be specifically targeted <clears throat> at different people in the community. Of course, open to the community anyone but we're going to do them on a monthly basis and sometimes they'll be targeted just for elders in the community Mm -hmm. single moms Mm -hmm. um high school students folks in their 20s to get their perspective of what do you want to see happening now
0: well yeah it makes a lot of sense to i mean you got to have if you're serving a community you've got to know what they want
2: (laughs) exactly you know and it's just not correct we are just blessed enough to be the initiators mm-hmm. of this yeah. project. Um, for We're going to start taking memberships as well in uh, mid-spring. But at first, we just want Homewood residents to have membership. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because in a traditional cooperative model, the members vote who the board is. And yeah. the board votes who is hired. So we want to make sure that those faces look like us, Mm -hmm. Um, notwithstanding our stakeholders and supporters outside of the community. Um, However, it's very important that, once again, the community has to say so, and the community has autonomy of this cooperative grocery store and how it's ran. We're just initiators after a year or so of it's open, we're stepping off. At least
3: I Mm plan.
0: So that's pretty cool. Just getting the, getting it started and then and letting it grow on its own. Amazing. Right.
1: Well, you're so immersed in the community agriculture world in Pittsburgh and it seems like it's such a huge part of your life. I'm curious, what was the first impetus that got you started on it? Like when you first started with Mama Africa's Green Scouts and Landslide, what was the main motivator you had for getting into urban ar- agriculture?
2: Well, I liked it. Yeah. Ye- years ago, in the mid-90s, I this happened in this area, uh, so uptown, whatever you want to call it, um, Western Pennsylvania Conservancy started a community gardens. And mm-hmm. residents had like, a, I want to say there was 20 by 20 beds, or some of them even had 40 by 40. My parents had one, my godmother had one, lots of people, mostly older people. And I lived, I moved to Atlanta in the late 90s, and my he my got ill, and I came back to Pittsburgh to help my mom take care of me. One of the chores he assigned me, you're talking about 2000, was to um, go pull, pull the weeds, right? in the garden and I went out there I was like okay Mm -hmm. and there was some elder folks out there and they were like um hold up you're pulling up food so I got (laughs) right and and one of my closest friends she has been gardening all her life well my father ended up well no he was still alive and she said I'm gonna help you out and I said I'm gonna go get some tomato plants this was in 2000 I went to Home Depot and I purchased like 30 tomatoes. Hmm. And I brought them in my parents' house. And my father was sitting on the table and he looked at me and laughed. And I was like, well, was so funny. And I just picked put them on the back porch. And and when my girlfriend Wadia came over, she said, What the hell you buy that many tomatoes? Because <laughs> I didn't know that they yield so many tomatoes. Like, I thought I was doing something special. We had all these, we couldn't even give the tomatoes. Down here on Fifth Avenue, there used to be a lot of bars. I was dropping them off in bars. One bar owner said, don't bring no more tomatoes in. <laughs> <laughs> my sister-in-law came from Atlanta, and she made this great tomato sauce. So you're learning. Save my day. Pa- <laughs> exactly. So my father ended up passing, but I kept up with, with the plot. And uh-huh. um, I got like a volunteer position as community garden manager. It's like 2001.
3: Wow. And was a, it was yeah. real
2: simple. I'm solving disputes, and. Just dipping in and out, you know the different plots. My girlfriend Watty is helping me a lot. So anyway, the water source was from an apartment building next door, and they got a new manager, and she wouldn't let us use our water their, their water no more. And um, that ended the garden back oh, in no. 2001, 2002. And back then, I didn't know about rain harvesting, you know, mm-hmm. water barrels and things like mm-hmm. that. So when we start working with landslide. 2011, you know, I learned a lot, um,
3: mm.
2: especially about permiculture. Um, the last slide pumiculture based. Like I said, I didn't know what a food forest was till Isaac started <laughs> one. Mm-hmm. So I, I just find in general that um, you know, farming, you learn learning every day. I yeah. new. Every season I learned something new about tomatoes. It's amazing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, and it, and it was just wanting to teach my children how to grow food.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I, I t- I'm, We're here, no matter what we're doing, you know, we're here to not just grow food, but minds and leaders.
3: Yeah. yeah. Because if
2: it's all working in one, no matter what we're doing. Then there's always activism around it, right? Right. So we have a voice at the table now. We hit yeah. up chairs and boards, you know, we make policies. Yeah. um so we have that voice at the table but it's always a fight for mm-hmm. teach people um about strong social justice and dealing with equity you know and sometimes we know that we need our own table in our own space mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um so yeah last season we did we started our healing garden um which basically is the baby of um Uh, Po Mai, Shaman Po Mai. She's a healing, holistic healer doctor and mental health therapist. And we have um, various medicinal herbs growing in an African-centered labyrinth path. And we teach what the herbs are used for and we work with um, single African American women that hit up their household. Um, But we added on vets too um, in youth Of course, you know, the children from these households. But right through here, because of the pandemic, anybody is welcome. We teach what to do with these herbs, not just to grow, right?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the majority of them are used to treat depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. So it's very valuable. And we're going to expand that. And when we do events surrounding our healing garden, we make sure we have like um, health and wellness classes. Includes proper nutrition, eating habits, meatless mm-hmm. um, meals, you know, not forcing one, of course, the benefits for your body, but also the environment as well. Um, we are serious about connecting the earth and spirituality too. Mm-hmm. So um, that's important to ground ourselves. It's okay yes. to get your hands dirty, to play with dirt. That's one of our little mottos come play with dirt with us. Yes. Um, yeah we like it and you know yoga someone just reached out to us to teach tattoo
1: uniform and we're like yeah yeah yeah
2: absolutely um, so <laughs> yeah it's
1: cool. like. well it seems
0: like the education is just so important because like as you were saying with your story um the learning curve is pretty steep you know like it takes you know you have to learn what you know what what are weeds and what is food and like yes. how many tomatoes grow on a tomato plant um yeah. So that's, that's it. Seems like very important, especially to teach uh, kids, the children, you know, Definitely. that they grow up with that. Have Have you seen um, that they have that the children have a deeper connection with nature or know more about food and, and plants?
2: Yes, they're amazing because when we started Mama Africa's Green Scout, my son, he's ten now, was one. I have a nine year old daughter. I have six children all together. I have an eighteen year old daughter, um, and I have adult children, right? Mm-hmm. So. But the younger ones have been doing this all their life.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And this goes for any children, right? Um, When when I was working at Grow Pittsburgh, a community garden was about to be built at my children's school. And the teachers was like, I Googled your name. I had no idea. The children don't talk about it, right? Because they're used to it. Even my coworkers at Grow Pittsburgh We had discussions like yeah our kids don't say nothing to no one of this what their parents do or what they're do because they're used to doing it this is what they do Mm -hmm. so when the teacher told me that i was like no one said anything you know (laughs) but it's a habit to them just like brushing their teeth it's something Uh they do every day all the time Mm -hmm. you know so they're used to it they're young farmers and they're Mm -hmm. growing and they're learning and just with children in general um, my daughter loves Brussels sprouts because she can grow them. Mm-hmm. You know, they grow pretty and amazing and I mm-hmm. My son, brother, who's thin, he got a love for broccoli. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to force him to eat it because he can grow it himself. So we see that with children, you know, um, even teenagers with the uh, medicinal herbs. The, the, we noticed the young teenage girls were drawing to earth for depression and anxiety and the young guys was like for focus and confidence. Mm-hmm. so it works out um I have a daughter who's a senior in high school she goes to Pittsburgh side and <clears throat> she's an environment and energy concentration major there and they have a garden and and same thing the instructor didn't know because she doesn't talk about it because she's used to doing it. But one of the things I realized, like, when she became a teenager and being a tech person, she told me the only way she'll go back in the garden is if I do some kind of, like, tech bid. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And then uh, a fellow board member of Isaac and I from Landslash, uh, Emmanuel Lewis, Dr. Emmanuel tell Oh,
0: yeah, Emmanuel. yeah he's He
2: was like, just get her to tech bid you know, because that's what she's more leaning to. Mm. Um, so sometimes we got to change with the times, you know, um, but I like to put my hands in the dirt. It's okay. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I do see some like St. Cosa Village Farm in Homewood, they're doing um, uh, like an indoor storage container with lights and they're growing food in there and the children mm. are going to learn to do that. And I look forward to learning it. So your kids
1: um, grew up with it for the most part, but if you're engaging kids that haven't been around growing food mm-hmm. before, do you find that they have a natural excitement for it or do you find that you have to do certain activities to like engage them?
2: Right, so we make it fun uh uh-huh. for them. So what happens is um, when we're ha- at Buck's Farm and home, when we're having these teaching events, we also have childcare right on the farm mm-hmm. and we have activities for them of course they can paint draw but then they get to paint pots right little small pots and then they get to plant and um and we show them what they do and they're not just in one area so yes, some children help out some do but if we're just doing something particularly for children like a mama s the green scouts which i hardly participate in um my daughter is like kind of co-leading that right now Mm. um but the children are active. the the children are have balanced energy Like they're working for hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got to make sure and we make it fun for them Mm -hmm. especially if they're new so i you know like we're planting the seed, and let's put it to bed and covering it you know with compost and tell it good night you know things like that
1: nice cool
0: i guess another thing is um you're you're working so much in these cooperatives and collectives and apparently you've been doing this for a long time you've been in 2001 um the the interpersonal relationships and dynamics there is often like really hard you know there's always like drama and like egos clashing and so on so how do, do you have any tips for working in community and in collectives or, like how do you how do you do it successfully?
2: So. Um we developed a phrase several years ago you know working at landslide in the lower hills and at the moultrie street garden and then there's tustin street garden around the corner and in 2015 um at the martin luther kingfield which is across from landslide the other side of kirkpatrick we you know grow Pittsburgh. we started a community garden and we're like out there with doing a thing, be it in Landslide or Multi Street Garden or like um with some folks or um at the MLK garden and, and you know having work days and it's hard work as you know and being successful at it. And at one time, you know, there was the farm on the hill and they just wanted certain people, but they didn't want us coming up there and we're talking about like 2014. It was ridiculous. So I just started putting out there their social media and everywhere else. This isn't about competition. It's about cooperation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I noticed this in Homewood where this was the battle. And I had a real sweet opportunity to um, open up for Mama uh, Karen Washington, the founder of uh, the Black Urban Garden Society to give the conference every year. And I had to state this because it was a real um, tension. This isn't competition. Our children are dying, or elders slowly dying. Food sovereignty is the paramount sovereignty for that, so we had to crush that. Um, you know me, Isaac. Listen, I am a difficult person to work with. If <laughs> a person really knows me, but I, I, I have extremely good intentions, and you know, occasionally I may give myself a pity party. I didn't come in here for this. I mm-hmm. just want to grow food. Mm-hmm. You yeah, you know. Grow minds and leaders. So occasionally, it's that it's the egotistical, um, excuse me, it's the egos that get in the way. That's why I like my Beaky Bruce, like really, or Beaky is like really um, humble guy. And um, I have a strong, assertive personality. Um, however, I am, I stand strong in what I believe in. Um, I'm not. I can be difficult. Just put it like this. So I I developed another phrase um, like this past summer. I'm stubborn about my goals. However, I'm flexible about my method. So, like, yeah, the goal is a cooperative grocery store. Right. right. And I can be flexible about how we do it. Eventually, will we allow members outside of Homewood? Yup. But we want to have a basic core Homewood group. For mm-hmm. autonomy, right? Yeah. So I learned to be more flexible. Um, I learned to listen to the youth and take advice from there as well. But yeah, egos do. I mean, you know, somebody came to me, you know, a few months ago, it was like, yeah, we're going to take bugs over. What? I'm like, R-? yeah. So you have those egos. And right. It wasn't right. just bugs. They were talking about another garden in, home, in a building in home. And it's like, you people are out of your mind. Um, let me know which strain you guys are using so I can tell my folks to stay away from it <laughs> that doesn't even make sense and you're brilliant people and, and, and I ended the conversation like this close to 700 lots in Homewood pick one right. all of you together and the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit none of this came mm, mm-hmm. overnight you know right. and I did not come in this for uh, a headache or to be <laughs> anyone's headache I just right. really want to grow food, you know, yeah. Yeah. So the, other people to do it. That's all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: the the point is is to focus on the goal.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
2: But, but, and, and even with this food, you know, sovereignty message, I mean, we've been like, I have a, we have a great team of folks that, that help out um, Bugs team members, right? And we, and they have, some of them have their own projects and we have volunteers from all um, races and walks of life. Walks of life, and that's important, but having momentum building up in Pittsburgh. So, in the Hill District, we don't have a grocery store now because the shopping shade closed two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, we started the Hill District Food Access Working Group, and then we have people from other neighborhoods reaching out to us to do the same in Bell Super in the West End in Hazelwood, right? So, um Basically, what we're doing is developing a green print for other people to follow because yeah. I, I can't run around like that. So who's gonna <laughs> this? No, and I said at one time I had like this superwoman ego, yeah, I can do it all, and then nothing happens. It just right. doesn't happen. So Nahil, we you know, we, we we're looking for a couple organizations to lead it. It doesn't have to be us. Here's this green print. Same thing in Bell or Hazelwood, So we don't mind initiating another model if we have a green print. We've been saying it for five years. We have a green print to take food sovereignty into our own head. Mm. So that gives other people the opportunity to mirror the work we have been doing. That's awesome. You know, so they can do it too to end food apartheid in their area.
1: Yeah. So for folks who want to get into um, urban community gardening, um, can you talk a little bit about land access and how you have found successful plots for your gardens over the years?
2: So we started, you know, we use Adopt-A-Lot. Here's the issue. If a developer wants our land, they can come and get it and give us a 30-day notice. Now, mm-hmm. we have developed great relationships with um, politicians in Homewood, Um, some better than others. Mm-hmm. But even if that wasn't so, they would have a hell of a fight on, on their hands we're all activists. Like to be a member of you have to do some kind of social justice work, right? Mm-hmm. Have a on we don't have the resources to buy it right now. So we have been working with a particular member Well, it started before COVID, you know, to shut down. We're going to continue again. And there are other people working on land access issues. We can't afford to buy our farm right now. We would like to, but even if somebody said, here's the money to buy your farm, there are other formers who don't have those resources. Mm-hmm. Right. So it comes in, change comes in. Yeah, we can raise hell. I mean, I'm like, who would come to us and say, what we want to call, <laughs> but you never know. Right, So right. we have to make policy to make this happen. In some cities, there are cities, and we're trying to model it could get a dollar a lot. And I've seen that in Philly, um, Baltimore. So then they have land access issues and nothing with with their city like we do. It depends on the neighborhood in Philly. So um, we have to develop policy to to do this. And there are groups like the Pittsburgh Food Policy Council, where our program director is um, co-chair. I used to be on the steering committee that are working on land access issues. But we find it more important that as Black people, we need to work on this together between ourselves. Because that's who are helping. And then there's an organization that wrote in Grove Pittsburgh and Allegheny County. Land trust uh, started called Trolley. Um, and they help people. So it's a land trust. So for gardens and farms, um, they may already own it, but they have problems paying the taxes so to go into um, this land trust. So from what I hear, it's been working great so far. Once again, our program director of my, she sits on that advisory group. So Basically we're all working together in Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is small. We like know each other. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But What's land access nice is things. the issue. Yeah, it's one of the best things. Um land access is the issue here.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: acquiring land, especially when you can't afford
0: it. Yeah. So the adopt the adopt the lot program has been helpful, but it still is kind of tenuous, you know, like they, you could get kicked off if the developer you could. Yeah. You could. But so, so having the, the social power and, like, making sure the politicians don't let that happen uh, is, like, one of the, the defenses against that.
2: Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. If they are a politician, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you never know, I'm knock on wood, whatever, you never know. Right, but right. policy is important.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: To make this happen. And why wouldn't you want to? You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: Right, yeah.
0: It really, it's good for everybody. And I mean, and the developers can always find somewhere else to go.
2: They really can find somewhere else. It yeah. seems to be, you know, most people when they think of gentrification and think, oh, it's people from the outside coming in. Yeah, sometimes, but it's people from the inside as well who can work in that neighborhood and but don't live there and bring these developers in and next thing you know, pow, your taxes mm-hmm. are going up for your house. You know what I mean? You yeah. can't afford the rent no more. And that is happening here in Pittsburgh. So yeah. You yeah. know, one of Pittsburgh, you know what i of Pittsburgh. One of our biggest secrets is the cost of living. The rent's real cheap, right? Right, right. But in the last couple of years, it hasn't been that. So you have a lot of people moving out of the city because they can't afford the rent here no more. Like home was one of the last spots. We're just sitting waiting. Mm-hmm. And some people are working. So it won't happen. But mm-hmm. you, my brother was want to retire a couple years ago. He wanted to move back here in this area, you know, I assist, find me a two-bedroom. This was about three years ago. The rent was $1,300. Wow. That's really unheard of. I know a young yeah. lady, her rent went from $400 to $900 for one-bedroom in the Hill District. So you have people now moving to boroughs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: especially in the mons Valley area. Um, yeah, just like a overload. And a lot of them who have means to affordable housing or subsidized housing, they can't find anything in the city that people are willing to rent to them. So they're moving out to different which is causing some issues.
3: Hmm.
0: Wow, yeah. I mean it's I remember, you know, ten years ago in Pittsburgh, you know, you could get a get a five bedroom house for like five hundred dollars. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, I would say. If you wanted to rent a five-bedroom room in <laughs> Pittsburgh nowadays, like in the Hill District, that would probably be about $1,500 yeah, or more. Because I well, was looking for a one-bedroom recently. Somebody wanted to move here from Philly, and it's like uh, $7, $8, 900 $1,000 in the Hill District. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, well.
2: A, a good fight. It's, a, it's yeah. always the issue. You know how many times have we been voted the most livable city? Right. Here you go. Study after study for three or four years that came out that black women do worse in Pittsburgh than any other city. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, this is the up the livable city. Like for whom?
0: Yeah, yeah. For who? For <laughs> right. who, yeah. Well, we've uh we we're almost at, at the end of our, our time here. Oh we... well, this has been great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: But but um before we sign off, I was curious um, about some of the, like, nitty-gritty gardening um, tips, things that you love to grow. Um, what are some of the plants that are your favorites or that you see in your community that are some of the favorites? Um,
2: so I like to grow greens. They're real easy. Um, yeah. And get yeah. into this, this, this honey thing in our bee farm. I like okra as well and watermelons, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are it. But recently for a farmer's market as a collective in Homewood, I like lettuce. Lettuce is easy. Lettuce, I learned lettuce from a master lettuce farmer. Cool. His name is Dural. And I worked with him at Garfield Community Farm. Dural Fry? Like, yes, Dural Fry. Yeah, he's, yes. my, he's my
0: permaculture teacher.
2: There you go. So tell him I said hi. <laughs> okay. So I learned lettuce from Dural. And cool. Dural used to live near Erie, right? So you know. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah
0: I interned there at his farm.
2: Did you? How long ago?
0: Well, I was 2012.
2: Okay. So I start working with them in 2016. And yeah, he taught me a lot about lettuce. And I enjoy teaching other people about lettuce because it's so easy, right? Yeah. And then, um, especially the children, they're amazed that it can regenerate once you cut it. You oh, know, yeah. so I learned that from Daryl. He's awesome. He's good people. Yeah. Yeah. What's the name of the farm up by Erie? I can't think of it right now. Um, three sisters. Three, three sister, sisters. Yeah. Three sisters yes. yeah you know what i might do some three sisters
0: on yeah all we're right. gonna we're gonna do some of that this year too
2: So that will be, be awesome yeah girls so that's where i learned So lettuce is like really really easy mm-hmm. but we decided between the four farms and homewood What are you all let's not repeat stuff so we've been tasked of greens yeah and lettuce yeah and um honey Oh, okay. come over it, So but yeah. the other farms are going to be doing other stuff, but are, people really, really like our greens. Yeah. Our greens, really. yeah, our greens are great. Yeah. Greens
0: are, greens are great in general. I love greens and they're, they're easy. They're tasty and they're they very are. nutritious. Like they're some of the, one of the best ways to improve like your nutritional intake, you know, yes. like you can have bulk calories from something else and have greens and you'll get those vitamins and minerals and everything. So, is That's really
2: good. great, and it helps me with my iron levels.
3: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. But I like uh, growing them, they're fun. Working at Grow Pittsburgh, I learned to use soil mimics that was part of my job. I managed our garden resource center tooling, but tool was Grow Pittsburgh tool lending library. I don't work there anymore, I'm just doing bugs full time and some other stuff. Um, so I learned to use soil mimics, and I learned over the years what does well for the greens like neem mm-hmm. oil and um. Um, fish emulsion or seafood emulsion, which I, yeah. seaweed emulsion, which I learned at grow at Garfield Community Farms and um, yeah, cotton seed meal. The green yeah. I love them. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: We just, we're starting our seeds right now and we use some fish emulsion in the in the water. <laughs> our living room smells like fish. fish okay. emulsion.
2: So, oh, you put them in the water.
0: I put, I'll put it in like the, the, the water, you know, when you're just starting it off. So it's like right. diluted a lot, you know,
2: for the seedlings too. Yeah. That's yeah. great sometimes oh, yeah.
1: before transplanting when you have the little plugs and you're about to put them in the ground you can like right. the roots into the seaweed emulsion before you put them in the ground too which is another way i like to do it
2: oh thanks i'm going to try that yeah they milk love milk. it i'm going to spread it around to our farm team because uh-huh. i don't get to really work the farm as much i'm mm-hmm. more like the showcase girl i do but not all like that so when somebody does a tour this is our lovely hoop house right yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah <laughs> that's There's awesome for them, but not as much as i would like to but i'm i try
0: yeah you're doing more of the organizing and the talking yes. to people and yeah cool yeah. well that's, that's a really important spot it so is. thank you Quiba, for being on the show um thank
2: you both for having me
0: yeah is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners about how they can help out or find your projects or what you're excited about
2: sure our yep. website is www.bugf. Mm-hmm. Com. it's a really great website we have on our events on there uh whenever we're doing we want to start our volunteer days up soon so that'll be posted and there's a donation page as well awesome cool
0: well thank we're you always too. looking
2: for volunteers though yeah any hands
0: so possible. yeah if you're around pittsburgh you know hit hit quiba hit up thank you okay have
2: a good day all right thanks you again too. thank you happy seeing- Happy gardening, everyone. Thanks.